What's up? This is Drex One. Welcome to another episode of the History of the Bay podcast, sponsored by the good folks of Amoeba Music San Francisco. Make sure you support your local record stores. Also sponsored by the folks at Dying Breed San Francisco for your local gear as well as your graffiti supplies. In the building behind the lens, we got Rocky Vision, we got King Said, we got Dio on the board. Shout out to the producer, Skino. And today, I'm really excited because we have two special guests, some dope rap cats from the Bay Area, AWAX and Big Tone. What up with it? Salute, man. Thank you, brothers, for coming through. Appreciate you having us, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This is going to be dope. I wanted wanted to get both of y'all on at once because you guys just dropped a new project, and uh, I feel like y'all got good chemistry and some shared history. Yes, sir. Yeah. So for those who don't know, we got Pittsburgh and Antioch. Mm-hmm. And um, what were those places like for y'all growing up back in the day? What spark are you? Pittsburgh, it, it, I could speak on Pittsburgh. I used to be in Antioch a lot, but like Pittsburgh is a small town. So, um you know, it's it's it got its nice parts of town and it's ran down parts of town. It's a lot of like growing up. It's it's a good. I had a good childhood growing up. Like I didn't realize we was poor or nothing like that. I just made the best of it every day. Went out there, got in the mix when I was a youngin. You know what I mean? So I think Pittsburgh was a good place to grow up for me at, at the particular time in life when I grew up. Grew up in there, so. Overall, it was just, I would say, typical childhood for me in Pittsburgh. It was just a nice place to live. Yeah, Pittsburgh, Antioch rivalry, though. That, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like, a, uh, so it's a small town. We right next to each other, man. So, like, on uh, beyond the street shit, it was like on some football. You know, Pittsburgh, Antioch always having a rivalry. So, yeah, we always had that growing up, man. But we we neighbors. We right next door. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, we trying to take each other bitches down and shit and go to other schools yeah. and all that shit. We we was up with all that. So it's, it's always was a, a like a, not a big rivalry. Like we, when we go to like Juvenile Hall when we kids, we, Pittsburgh, we had a rivalry with like Richmond. It was up with anyone from Richmond because we share the same facility when we get locked up. So like we didn't have problems with Antioch when we went to jail or nothing. We clicked up with each other, but on this on the streets when we was kids, we had like a little unspoken rivalry between each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's all, it's all Contra Costa County. Yeah. Yeah. It's all 925. It used to be 415 at one point. It used to be 510. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Hey, I, I see a lot of people, like a lot of people try to like, to me it's hating when they say that, that Pittsburgh ain't the Bay or Antioch ain't the Bay. Y'all ever hear that? I mean, it's geographical facts, man. Go look at the map. <laughs> I mean, shit. I guess like you can have an opinion on anything, you know. The 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 earth is flat too, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's the bay to me, but I I be shooting that same argument at San Jose and places too, so I, I get it. You always call it like the deep east bay. Like we're the cut. We're like the last of the last armpit of the bay, man. That's what we'd always say. Like yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, and I was curious because that y'all mentioned that rivalry because for y'all to come together on on a project is that kind of a big deal to to link those two towns? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean we're from that time from the same era, so and, and you know it all stems from our brother Woody. You know, rest in peace. A lot of people know the history on that 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 you know know us, and it stems from that. And and me and him are from that same area, and you know we both have our own um, our own how you say our own thing going. You know, and then we done well for ourselves. And then when we brought it together, it was just that much more powerful. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a continuation of what I was doing with Woody and all the work we used to do early on in, in both of our respective careers. So that's a good thing to see it come full circle and still see the influences from uh, from Woody still carrying over today into the work we do. Yeah, I think that's really dope. That y'all are, are 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 doing that and 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 continuing that. A lot of a lot of rap casts have been around for a while. I feel like they don't they get when people bring up their classic shit or the shit they used to be a part of. They're like, man, that's old. That's old. I don't want to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. But y'all are like embracing it so, and, yeah. and giving it some new life. Yeah. Yeah. Can't forget where we came from in the music game and and I, you know the music. Overall sound changes up, so we incorporate new stuff into the music we do together with some old school vibes and inspiration from it. Because, I mean, it, it, 
it's the same recipe as always. People always been taking old school music and putting new twists on it. So it's not like we're reinventing the wheel or nothing. We just doing it with our inspirations and what was the the sound that we thought was the the top sound in music when we was growing up. We trying to bring some of that into it. Yeah, I was surprised to hear y'all y'all flipped. Dre Dog's Killer Well yeah. on the new joint. That, it, I thought that was pretty ill. That kind of surprised me. Um, what what were some of like the influences that y'all were coming up to I, rap wise? I think when me and him sat down and like talked about doing this project. We're like, man, let, let's let's attack like our core fan base that grew up on us. Let's let's feed them something that they gonna fuck with. You know what I'm saying? And mix it like we gotta throw you know a little like a roller coaster of, of of sounds. You know what I mean? We're gonna try to keep some shit that's you know current and then, but we wanted to target like that that old school fan base, you know what I'm saying? What they expect yeah. from us. Like, people, I grew up on y'all and we get, you know, it brought back. That's why our main first song put out Nostalgic Days. I just wanted that nostalgic feeling to hit, you know, resonate with them, you know what I mean? And we used to listen to everything. Back in the days, it used to be like, we used to have CDs we listen to, so we'll have the CD in sections like this Frisco rappers, this Oakland rappers, Pittsburgh rappers. That, it, like that's yeah, how tapes, it, man. What you it tapes too. From that time. <laughs> It'll be organized like that. Tapes so in the pocket. I was yeah. influenced on everything. Just if you pick a city and point one out, I could, I'm gonna tell you 10, 15 artists I listen to, especially the bigger cities, but the lesser known ones. I was up on all the music scene out here when I was young. It, it, I kept up on everything. It pretty was up much. back then too. The Bay Area rap scene was huge in our time coming up, man, especially yeah. Frisco. You know, Sacramento had its thing going, but Frisco was up, you know what I mean? Vallejo and Frisco. So, like, that, um, the Dre Dog albums and all that, those were all, like, you get in any car, it doesn't matter if it was Tone Car, Woody Car, my the shit, rotation. it's gonna be the same music in the deck and in, in, in the spindles anyway, so we we was all on, like, that killer well, we grew up on that shit, man. Especially it, the bass lines, anything to hit hard, we, yeah, yeah. finna go pull up on the scene, hit rewind, <laughs> Back to that song, man. That shit thunders. Cause That's everybody right. had slapping their car back then. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that that era that you're talking about, the fact that we were all fans of the same type of artists, it kind of brought the bay together. That that common interest, that common knowledge about some of these these cats that were around. Yeah, it was like a see because I, I traveled a lot too, so I got I got to see how it extended, how far it extended. Like um, when I first realized, like the difference between regional music or, or something that's a, a real big radio hit on on the radio airwaves. Like when I first, when I was young and I traveled, I thought that the big songs that was big to me in the streets was the same on the radio, and it wasn't like that when you mm -hmm. go different areas. But you do see how far the barrier sound was getting out there, even when I was a kid. Like our RBL and everybody and Spice One, uh, they were big artists back then. I just didn't know the difference in them from somebody like uh, UDI or something that was right. make had a lot of steam out here and where I was from, but not so much on the airwaves. So that that's a good thing too. Bay always had like a secret society of musicians before it had actually a, a big following and and was recognized as a certain genre of of music. It was like its own little cult world underground where. It was always, I could always name good 50 dope artists that nobody knew about from the Bay when I was coming You said UDI, motherfuckers don't know nothing about Under them, them. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Cobra Hustlers, the whole shit like Absolutely. that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, and the biggest to the smallest, I used to buy everything in the store. Yeah, mm -hmm. 211. I used to buy. Mm -hmm. Anything that I could see, and I, but back then too, it was something simple as I could see your your graphic designer is the same graphic designer that did Barbie right. Posse music. So I'm gonna grab your shit and right. take a chance on it based on that. Like, so uh, a lot of that's lost in the game today. Yeah, too. Cracking, cracking the CD open and reading the credits, yeah, seeing the producers, the shout outs, and, and where all it was that. mixed and mastered. Yeah. A part of that also was a cheat code to get into the industry. wasn't a lot of you couldn't just call around like who got a studio. It was it was kind of harder to get into the into the fold but re being able to read them credits you could say alright here go the number for this guy to do my cover or this studio I could go in there and mix and record so you used to use that as a map too before you had Google and all this you had to really invest in yourself too because that shit was that shit cost it wasn't like so accessible to everybody now if you was going to do this you had to have some money behind you or have people that believe in you to put some money behind yeah. you so if you was going to go rent the studio time print the thousand two thousand CDs pay the graphic designer pay for the mixing and the mastering that 
that shit was all a bag back then. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Now motherfuckers do this shit quick on their computer and just drop it. On the phone. Yeah, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, back then, that's why I think it was less saturated, too. Like, you had to be for real about it if you was going in like that. You had to know some dope boys, man. It was, yeah. Believe yeah. in you. A lot, a lot of ballers made that flip man. back in the day. Yeah, shout out all the D-boys that try to put their rapper homie on through the years, man. Salute. Well, I think that's smart that y'all are tapping into some of that nostalgia and 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 updating it because that's a big part of what I do with the content is is paying homage to a lot of those groups and, and being surprised at all the people around the world that are like, oh, fuck with that. Can you can you talk about this? Can you yeah. talk about that? So I'm like, I'm seeing that like, man, they're still hungry yeah. for that type of shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, you enlighten, you putting the spotlight on that that. The era, you know what I mean? That's yeah. dope. Right it, on. Yeah. It make people revisit the old catalogs and the early work, and then they discover that on their own, too, because a lot of the younger fans has only seen the music we do today. Yeah. So it's a blessing, too. Yeah, it's a little bit of a disconnect between the youngsters, um, but I feel like the, the 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 gap is getting a little close closed now with, with cats like y'all still mashing it and putting stuff out. Mm-hmm. And, and as we're talking about the music scene back in the day, what... What was your first entry into, before it was even like the business and the hustle of music, like even just writing raps and 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 realizing that you actually had talents to pursue? Go ahead, bro. I, I got a cooler story than I do. I, I used to just, we, I used to gangbang, so I used to just ride around with my homies smoking weed and we're freestyle, like gang shit, like what we gonna do when we see such and such and, and we just, Talk that shit in the car riding around. And then it, it just expanded off that. But that's how the seed first got planted for me, just bullshitting. But they did though, did your homies also like kind of hear your shit and be like, oh, you kind of dope, yeah, bro? Yeah, for like, sure. One of my homies that used to do that with me, my homie Slowpoke, he used to he used to go cut demos in studios and whatnot. So he was like, man, I gotta bring you up here one of these days and, and get you in the actual studio. And nothing ever came of it, but we always talked about it. So even when I when I was in jail, all of my homies was like, man, keep writing, keep writing in there. You you mm. you too dope with that. Like, so I, I always knew it. it. I had enough positive reinforcement from people in my circle to know I had to if I took it serious, I could probably do something with it. And you went to prison at a young age, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went to prison when I was 16. I got tried as an adult, so I I was still I wasn't doing the typical um High school courses and whatnot. I was I went study for my GED in the pen and got my um, my education just through the, pro- the programs they had available to me in there, and then just locked in on my writing too. Like I didn't have beats or nothing, so I would I trained my brain to not to separate vocals from a beat. So when I would listen to somebody else's music, I would just hear just the beat and block the words out, and I could write. Mm. I learned how to write like mm-hmm. that, so. And we still do that shit. Yeah. Motherfucker be like, I don't need the beat, man. Don't trip. Y'all do your thing. You be writing verses mm-hmm. and shit. Still oh, s- still cooking up the same way, <laughs> man. Hey. What about you, Tom? What, what was your man, beginning? Man, my introduction was just crazy, bro. I never really thought about doing it. I, I was kind of late in the game when I started rapping. I was just, uh, I was just like already a young cat just out here wilding, bro. I was already pushing my little, my little, getting money, you know what I mean? Kind of on some hood star shit, you know what I mean? The homie pulling up in a you know, propane and Cadillac on gold ones already as a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, had to had that whole little, squ- I, I don't know, just the respect of the people, you know what I'm saying? So I think it was easy for me to fall into it because I felt like I could never just like rap. Like I'd hear cats come in and just be gassing. And I'd be like, damn, that fool dope, but... I just talked some shit, just just some just just some real shit that was going on, and motherfuckers like, yeah, shit was hard, you know what I mean? And and really, I went and did just like my first song, met met a homie that was producing, and, and went and did a song, and my boy Woody heard it, and just Woods like, bro, I need you on my Northern Exposure, and it was just like that went up, bro. So I kind of kind of fell into it a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a pretty quick transition from yeah. just fucking around to yeah, actually just, being on an 19, established 20 years old artist just, record. And I'm just one of those dudes that's like a hustler, bro. Like, anything I put my mind to, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I went to one studio, I looked, I'm like, man, I could do all this shit. I just started getting everything, set up a little studio. I was still in Mama's Garage because I was like maybe 17, 18 or something. I was back at home and, uh, and uh, put a little studio in Mama's Garage, man, and... I started half of my project there, and then, uh, yeah, went up. Wax pulled up in there, man. He came in there. We had that oh, little yeah. hood spot. That was a he, ticket spot. And he, throwing <laughs> in, he, he telling you the gist of it. He, was, he taught himself how to do everything, too. He got himself a little studio. He talking about the little studio. He knew how to 
record, mix, master, like all that shit, bro. I still found books. Remember I showed it at the studio? I was like, yeah. look, I found some old school books. I go, anything, like I said, I want to learn, I would just teach myself, bro. Just educate myself on that shit. Yeah. And that's what Woody did, too. Like, Woody, mm-hmm. everything. Woody taught me a lot, too, though. Woody would be the person engineering, mix it, write, ghost write, write, jump on the hook, do a ghost track, he'll bounce it down. And another thing, after every um, after every session I ever did with Woody, he'll... He didn't. He, he would never burn me a CD of the song, but three, four days later, I get one in the mail. He'll put a stamp on it and send it the old school way, way through the mail. And I always, you want to make sure it's mixed or something right up. Yeah, I'd yeah. always get that CD in the mail after every session. He never skipped a session with me like that too. Yeah, no, that's true. I I, I did take that learning from what I like I said, man. I soaked that watching him, and I was like, man, you just like not monkey see, monkey do type of shit. But hey, I seen that motherfucker on the boards and mixing. I so I could learn yeah. this shit too, man. I feel like I could do anything somebody could do back then. You know, when you're young and ambitious, man, you see the D boy getting money. I could do that too. Hold on, you know what I'm saying? I, this, these dudes rapping, man, I could do that shit too. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. I was always kind of in that mind frame. And still to this day, it carries over. Because I get in the studio, even with bruh, I'm like, fuck, man. I be writing, thinking this shit hard, and he just get in the booth and just murder some shit. I'm like, damn, I really got to go back to the drawing board and put some thought behind this motherfucker, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I just go in there talking my shit sometimes. Well, I, th- I think what you're saying is important for, for anyone out there listening. Like, you got to have the confidence to do this straight shit. Straight up, straight up. You, I, to me, personally, what I've seen is talent is secondary compared to your hustle. And to have a good hustle, you actually got to believe you can do this shit in the first place. And so somebody might be a a brilliant writer and might have natural talent. But if you're second guessing yourself, somebody that that got some big nuts and can just say some simple shit Mm -hmm. like he means it is going to flame that other person every time. People ain't going to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself, Mm -hmm. you know. And then not even, and then not even to mention the business aspect. When you actually get into the business and you yeah. start, and there's bread on the line, you really got to believe you can make that shit shake. Right up. I feel like it's like that with anything, though. No, not just music. It could be any kind of powerful speaker, bro. It's just your personality. People, if people listen to you, if they find you intriguing, if they're interested in what you got to say, you know, you, if you got a voice, I feel like it's somewhat of a blessing. You know what I mean? Just you got to have something about you that people want to hear, and that's why certain artists. The, get hated on. Oh, he, I could rap better than him, but he has something you don't have. You know, these yeah. these dudes may not be the talented person, but they have this whole package. That's why they're blowing up. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you, we you spoke on Woody and rest in peace, Woody. That's uh, something I wanted to talk about with y'all because uh, I'm a, I was a big fan of Woody, and uh, to me, Woody. Like that Bay Area rap that we're talking about, he has his place right in there on the independent tip as a, as a um, business owner, as a record label owner, as a producer with his own unique sound, as, as a rapper that could produce for himself, like you said, mix, engineer, all that, and he had bars, mm-hmm. and he had uh, something to say. It wasn't just mindless gang-banging on wax. Dude was talking about some real issues, and he had versatility. But people would look at me like, what the fuck is you listening to, blood? Like, yeah. they, it went over people's head because yeah. it's a it's a white Norteño yeah. from Antioch. Yeah. That's like, that's kind of hard to relate to if you if you don't, you know, if you're not open-minded mm-hmm. or if you don't know about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He came with his own sound, too, in that moment. Like, like... The rap that was coming out of his, out of people from his circle and his side of the uh, the streets wasn't sounding like the music he started putting out. He he brought a whole new sound to it, it, it and it, music sounded a certain way from that from where his side before he came along. He came with a whole new sound and it just was like you couldn't compare it to nothing else. It just had its barrier roots, but it was real gangbanging stories and real, um, but also intelligent. He spit, he, he didn't just spit ignorant gangbanging stories. He like was like educated gang member stories and shit. Like, he was talking and about- And they had like real backstories to it too though. So they had substance and like you said, he knew how to word it perfectly. He knew yeah. how to paint that picture, man. You know what I'm saying? That's why was so, for, for us, the way me and Tone was around it and seeing that music is probably different from the average listener because we like- you know, being true to who you, uh, being true to your lyrics and your music, and actually being the same as in real life as you is to the message you throwing out there. That's it's rare in the, in the music industry, and back then it was something that everybody held on to too. So, it, like, 
to actually know him and know he really stood on what he was talking about. And he that was the real him. Even when it, he talked about um, the government conspiracies and yeah. shit, he really felt that shit. Like, mm-hmm. just kicking it with him on some regular shit. He'll talk to you for hours about some shit like that. Like, it wasn't something he just threw in a rap because it, 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 another word rhymed with it or something. What he rapped about, he really felt that shit in his heart and he really lived that shit. So I had an appreciation for his music on a whole nother level. Before I was even a fan of his music, I was a, I got to know him and was a fan of him. And then when I heard the music, it, I heard it in a whole new light and it really just fucked my brain up. Like, oh shit, this shit fire. Right. When I first heard it, it was like beer. It was like an acquired taste. I, I didn't take to his music when I first heard it. I had to really come around him and see, man, what's what's going on? Like, right, right. And then I was like, oh, shit. Like, he... Now I get it. It took a minute to click. And then once I heard everything, I'm like, man, I started diving deeper into his music and listening to what he be saying. He he, be, he always was ahead of his time, in my opinion, with the music. Yeah, when he, I ain't gonna lie, when I first heard him, bro, I was... He, that shit blew my mind. Because like you said, it's going back to our culture back then, gangbanging rap. Yeah. Latinos, Mexicans rap was kind of like super cholo on music. Like, sure. Italy, yeah. you know, which like that some, was our swag. Uh, I listened to that shit, you know what I'm like saying? Like some Kid Frost type yeah. of Yeah, I mean, that was shit. more Southern California. We had like Dark Room Familia up here, yeah, you know, yeah. Sir, I don't right. know if you're familiar. That's a whole different time. Right. But that's what we were used to hearing. And then, uh, like I said, when Wood came out, he just came on some, like, gas, and he just started, you know, spitting. Like, like because we grew up on the Bay Area rap, too. So mm-hmm. when we heard that, it, was, it blew my mind. And then, you know, we had, like, you know... Uh, 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 black and brown entertainment out here and Mousy right. and Gold Toes doing this shit and it all was coming from that, you know, same time type of shit. Mm-hmm. So it, it was dope to, to to you know, see that, like, fuck. And, and, and especially being from my town. And, and you're right, bro. At first, when I first heard it, though, they are like, man, there's homie Wood. I remember the homie, first let me hear this uh, his tape, The Yaka Fluence. I was like, some white boy homie. And I, at first, I'm like, I'm thinking, we the motherfuckers out here running around. We young, you know, he's he's seven, eight years older than me. Man, I don't know this motherfucker. I don't want to hear that shit. And then I remember the same thing with you, too, though, uh, when I heard your music. But I remember, bro, gave me the tape. I popped it in and just blew my mind. I'm like, fuck, that motherfucker's gassing. And then once I started putting two and two together, oh, shit, this is so-and-so that was connected with this or this shit that was going down with them. And then like, yeah, that's the homie that fucks with so-and-so. You do your homework. And it all, it wasn't like social media. We, You know, everything, yeah. you had to be connected through somebody back right, then. Right, yeah. And it all started making sense. And I'm just like, fuck. So these lyrics started going real, real uh, deep with personal, like just knowing this shit. And then I became like a fan. This is before I even knew him too. Mm-hmm. I was like a big ass fan. I was slapping this shit on a daily. You know what I'm saying? Was he the first rapper on on Wax out of out of any art? There was some not kicking up dust like they technically that. put something out probably like a 50s, Tapes of CDs to their friends or something, but he was the first. He was the first rapper. He was the first one to get known, I would say, to yeah, get known to make that shows. kind of noise. There was yeah. not a rap scene out there before him, and there, he left one wide open out there. So a lot of, it, it's always, like I said, when we had our spindles back in the day with different different cities and their CDs, it wasn't no Antioch, just him yeah. to start. And then it, it started mm-hmm. expanding through him and his work, I would say. Yeah, Pittsburgh, y'all had more of a rap scene than we did, I think. Yeah, we had Jello and them back in the day and some Two of the crew. Two of the crew. I remember I was telling Wax, too. I remember the first time, and I'm like, man, I hope Wax don't get offended, but I remember the first time when homie brought his music. Like, bro, you got to hear my boy Wax. And I was like on that arrogant shit when I was like, I don't want to hear that motherfucker, bro. Come on, bro. You going to play this shit for real? He was trying to slap it, and I was not trying. I was kind of just like, man. But then I heard that shit. I'm like, fuck, okay, homie's going in. He caught my attention a little fast. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's today. Everybody want to play their shit today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's rare, though, that happens, though. It's just hard catching you. You start really fucking with it, you know right, what I'm saying? And right. then, plus, you have some, you know, validated cats fucking bringing it to your attention. So that goes a long way, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Uh, Northern Exposure. So I was uh, I was in Stockton a couple months ago, and I was trying to get off some CDs because I still sell CDs. I was trying to get some off in a, a JT's record shop in Stockton. And I went in there and I said, what's 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 selling right now? And he said, this right here, Northern Exposure. Yeah. I said, damn, that's like a 20-something-year-old album. It's all streaming and everything, but it's like that series is still moving units. See, that's the other thing that, like, this is why I feel it's important to talk about people's sleep on Woody, but, like, dude moves some units independently through, through his own record label. So those compilations... Um, are foundational 
So so how did it feel for y'all to get that call to like to jump on those projects? For me, it, it was we didn't know the, in the moment when we was making them projects, we didn't know what those that was gonna become or how long they'd be around or anything. It was just doing a song, getting cracking some henny with the homies, talking shit, doing a song, bro. It, 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 in the moment, we didn't realize the impact that it happened. We also didn't know how long would it be around us. We, you, you young, you assume everyone around you gonna be there forever. You know right, what I mean? Right. So it, it, it was just the same as doing any song, bro. We just had fun, made, made some music together. Well, where where were you at in your career at that time? Had you already started doing your solo thing, or was I was recording for my solo? My first solo I put out, half of the project was recorded in the pen. Then I got out and I didn't have beats to mix them properly, and I was learning. So I just re-recorded half of the song. You recorded half of your album in the pen? Yeah, like, uh, like. Were you like doing like going against the grain to do that, or was there a studio in no, there? Or? I had a, we had guards. We would pay guards off. I, I paid the guards on your X-rated wiggle. Yeah, I, we guard. We do street to streets with guards. So a guard wanna uh, anything. He wanted the new Jordans or something. We'll have somebody we know on the street send him to someone he know on the street. So neither of us are connected. That's impressive because you really gotta wanna. You really gotta wanna do that shit to to yeah. to go through all that while you're while you're locked up. Yeah, like it, it and it it wasn't cheap. Like we're mm-hmm. five hundred every couple of weeks, a thousand dollars. But he also knew we wasn't the typical. I wasn't the typical person asking him to smuggle shit in or just bring me a bunch of dope and some phones right. and shit. Right, like right. I'm trying to do something else. So it it, it was a cool guard I had in there. It was, so you're locked up. Your whole youth is going by, and you're yeah. thinking, man, I gotta do. I gotta make some shit happen. Yeah, I, with I, this music, as soon as I get out. Got you. I gotta yeah. get it cracking. Because I'm, you gotta, I'm, I go in, I'm 16, I'm seeing people on, on first five, six years down, I'm just seeing the same people come in three, four times. I'm mm. seeing the same face. We was just happy he was about to get out. Now he's back two weeks later. Mm. Then he in there for another year and a half. He get out, we happy to see him go. He back two months later, like on another bid too, not getting flashed on no violations. And I'm, I've always been big on pattern recognition. When I see that, I'm like, damn, this is something that's frequent in, when you're in the pen and you're on a long stretch. You're going to be seeing yeah. the same people come, come, come. They call it the rotating door in that motherfucker. It's hard to get out that rotating door. It's, it's easy to get in there and it's hard to get up out of there. So once I put them together, I was like, look, I need to figure something a little smarter out for myself or, to not get trapped in that same rotating door. Respect. I mean that's uh, that takes a lot to have that kind of realization. Cause otherwise, you like you said that revolving door, you could have easily just been another statistic. And I feel like you kind of have to want a career in music that badly to really make it happen. You got yeah, for sure. You gotta you gotta you gotta care about your future more than you care about what people around you think. That was one of the hardest things for me back then. Because when I was getting short to the house, a couple. Like my homies, I grew up with was in there, and like little shit would happen. We'll get on, we'll be on the basketball court, a ball would bounce by me too fast, and if I had time, I'm we finna turn it up over that. But when you got the sixty days to the house, the basketball flying by, like man, fuck that shit. I'm about to be up out of here. You, you know what I mean? So having to be able to stand on my own feet and not give a fuck about what anyone said or nothing, and know what I got to do to get my life where I want it to be. And, and just not giving a fuck about other people's opinions or any peer pressure and nothing. That was a big part of me growing up that I had to learn to do before I could do music and dive into it. That's what's up. So you were already pursuing your solo career before you jumped on? Yeah, in my head, I was okay. pursuing it the, for, from the time I went down from like when I was like 16. But right, it, right. it just took like six years to get going, five, six years. Right. But Tony, your, your first entry into the game or like you say, you're recording on your own, but to really get on the actual project was was through Witty's joint, right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Just recorded a song, showed it to him. I remember we pulled up. Uh, one of my homies was like, he, he knew Wood pretty well. He gave him a call. I was like, man, we got to show you the song we did. And we just showed him the song. And he was like, he just looked at me and said, bro, I love that. you on my Northern Exposure. To me, I felt like I made it. I was, I'm finna get all the thing things now, boy, I'm on, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But uh, that was a good feeling. It felt uh, like an accomplishment, you know, for sure, because I was a fan beyond anything. But, you know, it it, it was definitely a, a 
you know, hit the ground running. He gave me a... That's why we, I pay homage to him beyond friendship. Like, he, that changed my life because he gave me something to... Like, a goal. Like, I didn't really have no... My, my D-boy dreams, you know what I'm saying? I had... The influence I had around me was just on some gang shit, you know what I mean? So... It gave me something like, man, I could do something. I could make this happen. And, you know, once your mind, when you're a hustler, your mind starts turning on what you could do with shit, you know, it, it changed, uh, you know, my direction on what I was doing. And I was able to help a lot of other people because of that. You right. know what I'm saying? So, right. Because you started your own label, Correct. Sav yeah. It Out. Yeah, people don't know. I didn't use um, Wood for anything on my album. All I did was he, he I submitted a song. He didn't produce it. He didn't do nothing. I submitted the song, did it in my own studio, mixed everything. Gave it to him. He he uh, dropped it. It's still one of my most popular songs to the day. It's called "The Good Life," and um, and I record my own projects. All he did was come um, feature on a couple of tracks. He didn't produce nothing. I kind of wanted to be self sufficient because I seen because because I came friends with him more than business. We kicked away more than we worked. And I I, I would say there was not a lot of people. There's certain people with their hands out, like waiting. What's next? Could you do for me? You know, I was I wasn't gonna be one of those dudes sitting around waiting for. You know, hey, do this for me, do that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm take the bull by the horns and do my own shit. You know what I'm saying? And just built that mutual respect and connection. And you know, to this day, I still rep them. You know, I'm rep what we do. That's what's up because hearing that story makes me think like you probably were were following some of his cues where this dude wasn't waiting on nobody. For sure, yeah. And I, he had his own label, his own yeah. beats, everything. So instead of like you said, waiting for him to put you on again on another track or another album, whatever, you're like, I'm finna take this blueprint for sure. and put my own projects out under my own yeah, label. He gave me a lot of game, bro. There's countless conversations where I would just ask him, bro, like this and that. Like, I, I looked at him as a mentor. Like, it wasn't just like, I'm going to do my own thing, you do yours. No, like, like I want to show you I could do this, but I want to learn from you too. Like, I, he was yeah. pretty much my mentor, you know what I'm saying? He mm -hmm. didn't hide the plugs, neither. Like, nah, he, the, he, he had a master know. list, all the direct um, CD stores mm -hmm. that he sold to and whatnot. He gave, me. he gave us the list. He gave us all the tools and resources to get money on our own. He didn't, he wasn't trying to do it for us for a percentage or anything. He was just genuinely happy other people was in music with him and wanted to learn the stuff that he learned. He wanted to pass right. that knowledge on. So I seen that in him too. And, and I was, uh, it was fun to be under under his guidance and tutelage for doing the music industry. Cause he was hands-on with everything aside from creating the music. He was the same way in manufacturing CDs, being, yeah. having a um, direct relationship with the buyers at these mom and pop stores yeah. that we talk about. All, mm -hmm. all those little things mattered. And, mm -hmm. and them are also things that I learned from him that, it, I mean, it's lost in today's music industry because you don't have to deal with the physical aspect of it, but it still was, um, it, was it, it still carries over it into still doing business. a little yeah. bit, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a different, different game, but like, to to really be successful as an independent artist, you gotta love the business about yeah. as much as you love the music. You can't shy away from like like you said, like some cats will take a look look at like a list of a CD distributors or whatever and be like, oh man, I gotta call all these people. Yeah. I ain't finna do that, I man. I think it's different. It's like you're pushing dope. Like you copped, you know, you cop something now, you got all these boxes of CDs back yeah, then, a thousand, two thousand CDs. I remember yeah, we were putting up to five thousand, you know what I mean? We we're putting five thousand CDs. That's a lot of boxes, bro. Mm -hmm. Them jewel cases, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a lot of work to push. So you you're trying to find any outlet to get to get those gone, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Whether that's merch or anything, you, you you got a bunch of inventory sitting on your shelves, that's burning a hole in your pocket. That's that's money that she's just leaving on the but floor. You're right, it separates the real from the fake. Who wants it? Who's gonna hustle? You yeah. know what I mean? It's 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 easy to be like, yeah, let's get this shit popping. But I don't. I just want to see what it does and kick back. Now you could do that, you know, for the most part. Yeah. You know, and and get lucky and catch a wave. You know what I'm saying? I but, mean, even then, that shit don't last long, man. You yeah. could be viral for a year, and then up, next man. year you'd be a cold fish, man. Yeah. It, it definitely takes a lot of work to stay consistent, and, and you know, not just just. I think there's other things to follow up with that. Like I said, the investments and in in popping out and shaking hands, just doing yeah. uh, shit like this, just whatever it takes to do things to time show, you know, you, you're you're really about that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it seems like um, like it's similar, too, for you, Wax, because you, you also have your own label. Yeah. And was that, um, were your first projects dropping under, under your own label? No, nah, my okay. first... Two projects I dropped on different labels. I just, I was finding Dope Boys. I didn't have enough money. So whatever Dope Boy had his own label, I would drop under that label until I got enough money in my pocket. I, I did it all on my own label. From After my second solo album, I was able to 
phone, to start my own label and follow the blueprint that what he was laying down, Tone was laying down. Because I, I seen Tone doing it too. So I was able to, I knew what I wanted to do. It just took me a couple albums before I was able to start Pyrex on my own. Right. And so, um, was it also helpful to have Woody's guidance as you were going into that transition too? Yeah, because I, I, even though I was on other labels, I did maintain ownership. I never sold ownership of. So I got my whole collect, my whole catalog is is I possess everything, and I didn't sell rights off to nobody. You know, That's what's up. Anywhere along, even for features and whatnot, I always right did, did handshake deals, and I just didn't sign anything right. just to maintain that and make it easy to have all my catalog consolidated. And both of y'all have, under under these labels, y'all have put out solo albums, collaboration albums, compilations, other artists. What are some of the most important lessons you've learned running your own labels as an artist? Say, man, you could you could leave a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. You know, the 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 the, the same things I had experienced is is. And I think Wood probably was in a similar situation is you could do stuff for people, give them an opportunity, like he would give me an opportunity, but then people are like, cool, what's next? What's next? Then all of a sudden it's not enough. So sometimes you got to find artists that are hungry, need to give them the tools, give them everything they need, show them, and they need to be hungry themselves, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And bring stuff to the table, not just, you know. So me learning, I, I don't work with the many artists because of, you know, eventually people, you know, they want, what you got, they want the love, and if it doesn't happen fast enough, they blame the label, they blame you, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Somebody <laughs> out there created a cold misconception that becoming a musician is like finding a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow somewhere or something. Like, this shit's actually work. I know in the, it looked good in stories and magazines and shit. Like, <clears throat> he just got an advancement because of a song, man. And there's so much money going into songs before they even get uh, recognized by a label or a radio station before an advance comes yeah. or anything. Like, music is work like anything else. You, you, it's a lot of days where you don't get paid. It's a lot of... Days you don't want to go to work and you wake up, all that shit. It's, it, and the people that treat it like an actual job and put it in the work behind the scenes besides just making a song or shooting a video, like them the ones that usually yeah, turn it to paying, they pay taxes on that at the end of the month and it's a, it's a livelihood for them and it's a source of income for a long time. But music's definitely... It's a, and it's a no days off kind of job, too. You, you could give it as much as you want or as little as you want, but the, the person that put in the most work going to get the most results out of it is how I feel about that's it. That's right. That's right. I think that's the, the way it's always been, but, like, the way it's transpired now, that's what happens. Like you said, someone drops one song, it catches a wave, yeah. blows up, gets a bunch of millions of views. The cool part of that is now could you follow up? The next song don't do that. The next song mm -hmm. don't do that. Now you came and went. Now you didn't have them calluses. You didn't go through all them struggles and investing yourself and learning. You didn't you didn't have that experience to 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 bounce back from that. You know what I'm saying? So that's why a lot of people come and go. I think they they it just comes too fast for them. You know they don't appreciate it. Just like people that get money for the first time. You start touching the bag for your first time. They what they usually do? They blow that bag. Right. You know what I mean? You got to go broke a couple of times to realize how to you know. Money management, you know what I'm saying? Right. Same thing with this clout, fame, whatever people look for, you know? Well, that's what I love about this underground shit is that there, there's, there can be someone you never heard of, you never seen nothing, but they know how to get it. They know where their audience is. They know where to tour. They know what kind of stuff to put out. They got their publishing straight. They got their plugs all lined up. And... Whereas somebody who, like you said, blows up, signs a record deal nine times out of ten, they're getting fucked yeah. because they don't understand how this shit actually I works. Make that man all the money, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. I'm, I'm famous, I'm popular, I got some views exactly. and some followers, but uh, <coughs> where's that bag? Exactly. I'm well over there eating off you. you know? Yeah, if you if if you come in, a lot of new artists they they think um, they want a major deal off top and they just want to be a big artist from the top. But if you don't take, even if you come from underground and you ain't never did nothing, go straight to the majors. If you don't take the time to learn what's what they're doing for you, if that major, if that deal you got in place ever goes bad and you ain't picked up by another major, then you got to rely on what you learned in the music industry to get your shit back going. And if you ain't learned shit, you're going to fall right on right. your face. It's a no-brainer, you know? So all upcoming artists out there, you get into music, 
Learn that shit. Don't just let people do it for you, whether it be reading through a contract, the terms and conditions of your contracts, just everything. If it's Pro Tools, editing on a camera, whatever Mm -hmm. is happening around you, you should try and learn that as much as you can in all aspects and fields of that in case. Just in case the day ever come, you got to be the one putting it all together yourself. You don't want to not continue uh, doing something you love because you didn't get the knowledge behind it one day. And you you had a major label situation, right? You were signed yeah. to Akon's label at yeah, one point. I was signed with Akon's, and it was bad timing, you know? Like, it, it, it seemed like a dream come true scenario when I got into it. I'm working with um, Akon and his brother Boo, and they dealing with all the biggest artists in the, in the music industry at the time, but I didn't anticipate... Akon, right around the time I came, Akon signed Lady Gaga, and he makes more money off a small percentage of her career than he ever made off of his own career, so he was okay, it was okay for him to retire without no warning or nothing. So, But I didn't. That, that's one of the things that made me realize the difference in a global number one hit and a global artist and a, just somebody number one in the United States. Like It's a big difference in them checks that come in on the back end of those. Yeah, that's the truth. Two things. That's a trip. I'm, 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 I'm sure it was still good for you to kind of look behind the curtain and, and see how that works, though. Yeah, for sure. I got to meet a lot of powerful people and just be in some big sessions and watch some big records get um, produced and manufactured. But it, it was a good learning learning curve all in, in totality. But yeah. still was able to learn through that. I did the Universal deal with Bash for the first album I was on. Um, Sugar Sugar, the album, what was that called? Get Wiggy or something? I don't even remember no more. Was that with um, the singer Cat too? Yeah, Frankie J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I got to see Bash do his signing to Universal, and I had different um, different exposure to the majors just to be able to learn. Even when I wasn't signing my own deals, I was learning over the Smoking Nephew. Smoking Nephew, that's what it was for sure. I just got that plaque for that thing too. That's what's up. I did want to add on to that. How did... With Convict? Yeah. I mean, how did the Akon deal? I was doing... Napoleon from the Outlaws was working with uh, an artist in Arizona. I mean, not an artist. It was a label in Arizona called Loyalty. So he was working with it, and they did some work for Hire for him, did a couple projects in Arizona, and they were... Trapping. They was trapping out back in the day. We used to have it's called brickweed, where it was just full of seeds and it smelled like gasoline. And it used to come heavy from Mexico. And them, them pounds was dirty, like a hundred bucks a pound. They was flipping them things from. They was going from Arizona to te, uh, to Atlanta with them things. And I just got tied in the same circle as as uh, Akon brother Boo before he was doing all the Def Jam and everything. So. I kicked it with them a few times before they, we started talking music, and then they brought me around the studio, and we started working and working on the music aspect of it. And got out. To, I was I was trying to get out the streets anyway, so we ended up flipping it over onto some music. But it, it happened in the streets. Long story short, trafficking, man. I wanted to ask both of y'all, um, where where does your style come from? Um, because both of y'all, you know, be saying some solid bars. I, I think, Wax, you you have a lot of versatility, especially from when you started to to what you're doing now. You've touched a lot of different styles, tone. Like you say, uh, you kind of broke out of that box that some of these uh, Northern Cali Latin rappers were in. What, what, was, what, was, what was influential to your rapping styles? My style, I'm just everywhere with it. A beat is a, it's like a painter. A beat is a white canvas to me. I could grab some orange paint and throw it on that thing. Some yellow don't matter. Everything different. So I I just go with it. And then I listen to a lot of music too. So I, if I hear bits and pieces of different stuff I listen to, I'll incorporate stuff to try and come with a different um, cadence of delivery from here, from here to there. But I, I always try and do it in a way where it's not like biting. I just use inspiration. I don't take a specific melody or nothing from anyone. Mm-hmm. I just meet in the middle. Everything, everything. Um, I ain't got no preconceived way. I should in my head. I should be rapping when I hear a beat. It's always something different. I just try and match it. That's what's up. 
I don't think I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not that versatile, man. I kind of stick to a formula that worked for me, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, of course, yeah, we do like the mob hardcore shit growing up. But even now that I'm older, bro, I don't do too much of that because it just I'm OG now, bro. You know what I mean? I try to shoot a different message. So what I try to do personally now is more enlighten people, motivate people with the with the with the music. You know? What yeah, I'm I was gonna ask about that, man, because uh, you really do be dropping gems on the gram, and it seems like people are responding well to it. And I, I appreciate it because to me, I've always found that like some of the realest. Gangsters and street cats are also cool and respectful and not putting it on too thick, not putting, you know, too much on certain topics. And I think it's dope to see you just push shit out there, like, shows people, yeah, you can actually be on some cool shit and, 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 and have your respect in this game and still be a solid individual. So, yeah. I think people are scared to be themselves, man. People look at that as weakness, and that's insecurity. Like, I'm not insecure by any means. I'm, you know, proud of where I come from and what I what I am and what I've evolved to. And uh, one of it is just also, too, it's like a guilt thing, man. I really lost a lot of my close friends to this game. Like, this this shit ain't no joke, you know what I'm saying? I lost both. My, my crew, I'd walk in 30 deep fucking 10 years ago, you know what I'm saying? We're down to minimal, you know? And on top of that, you know, trust issues and all that stuff. So once you see how the game really takes your loved ones, you know, and, and the, the 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 scars and the pain, you know, it's now it's like I, I don't want to lead pe my people down that direction to see that. You know, if that's what you want to do, hey, do your thing. Go all in, bro. Be a G about it, man. But, like, if you got some potential to do something, bro, like, I'd rather see you win and get money and support your family and let's ball out. You know, you could be a real one and ball out. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of like my vision with it, just, just trying to help people see that we could— we could be successful, man. You know, I'm still I'm still working on it myself. Like sure. shit, I'm, you know, I'm around some big dogs sometimes. I'm a low man on the totem pole. That inspires me. At least I know I'm in the right rooms. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, and if I could learn from them and and kick the game to my to the to the homies that listen to me, it's just a it's a it's just a full circle type of shit. Yeah, and you're getting into uh, other business ventures outside of music. Of course, too. yeah, yeah, we have to. I mean, there's shit. You know, there's a, there's a. Um, for most people, there's an expiration date with music. But then again, not even if people fuck with you. Like, 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 bro's been in the game a long time. I've been in a long time. People fuck with us. So that's why I think we'll be able to do good. I think artists that strictly depend on just just one thing, you know what I mean? Just, you know, it's, it's hard. It has a yeah, it's expiration kind of expiration date. on that thing. If you don't, it ain't no retirement, no retirement plan for rappers. So you better invest wisely in more than just exotic cars and jewelry, man, if you want to make it beyond this. But I think, like I said real quick, though, and I, I'll, tell, I'll tell bro this, too. There's certain people that become more of a brand themselves. Yeah. So people might like AWAX, Tone, or, you know, you, anybody, just any other group, they like you for you. They'll follow you no matter what you do oh, yeah. in, in, yeah. in your journey. Not just like, oh, yeah, he had a cool song and that's it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So once you become personable and they actually fuck with you and they, you know, like— it's it's a lot easier to evolve in other businesses, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I feel like I could sell anything right now. Yeah, <laughs> and that, but that's an advantage also of, of learning the music business when you're coming up. What I was talking about earlier, because all business, starting up a business is pretty much the same on any front. It, it, you got to put money into it to make money, and it's a startup cost. It's a lot of basics that go into business, and the same ones that in in the, in the independent record label in the music industry, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same. Um, it's the same principles. Yeah, principles mm -hmm. going into it business wise. There's no magic pill for any of it, man. Business, fitness, anything, yeah. bro. You got to put in the work and do the reps, bro. Yeah, and all the, uh, everything, uh, marketing and, and financing and, and bookkeeping and yeah. taxes and work ethic and all, all that good shit. I tell people, man, I don't sell music. I don't sell content. I, I sell aluminum foil. I sell, fill in the blank. I sell industrial lubricant. <laughs> fill in the blank. Whatever they're doing to make that shit shake, that's what I'm applying to my creative work. Yeah, straight up. And it goes back to, I'll say, for me, an example, like, I'm not going to discredit nothing I do, but there's a lot of talented artists that would get in the booth and gas just be spitting, but they couldn't do nothing with it because yep. they didn't have the other tools behind it. Yep. Now, this dude could outwrap me a million miles per hour, but I'm going to just tell an authentic story and I've invested in my studio and I could produce something. I got producers. I could invest yeah. and put a product out yeah. and okay, if this needs, and my formula, I loved it. I grew up on oldies and R&B type of soul. So I was like, I incorporated that in my music. You know what I mean? I get female vocalists or male singers and stuff. And I found my formula and I was able to fund it and put it out and, and get it in their face. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Waka Flocka wasn't even a rapper. He was just Gucci homie, and they was like, "Man, get in the booth." And yeah. he just he pretended his way into a rap, being a rapper. He didn't want to do that shit. He just never right. even learned how to write a rap. He just turned the mic on. He gonna say something. That goes back. People fuck with him. He was personable. Yeah. Like I like, bro. I was feeling him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can say anything right now, yeah. and I fuck with you. Type yeah, of shit. your personality will take you a long way. And at the same time, if you're a fucking cornball or just a dick. Or just like a shitty ass person, eventually that shit's gonna yeah, come you to go light, up man. Quick wave, you know, you hey, go man, it's got the, 10 million views. Okay, we got next year. Eventually that shit's gonna come out and, and bite you in the ass, <laughs> man. You're gonna be like, you're gonna the, be uh, you're like yeah. that, got him, got him. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate y'all, man. I, I, I really love what y'all doing right now. Uh, um, both of y'all have been dropping a lot. Wax, you've been going crazy, charting on iTunes, every drop, multiple albums every year. Uh, I really like that you brought back um, the Woody World album, um, the the Northern Rexposure compilations. I think that's a really dope way to pay homage. And I think it's a really dope uh, way to continue that by y'all two working together and dropping this album. I hope y'all continue to, to, to build on projects like this because I think it's a good look. And um, I think... You know what? For for anybody out there watching, I think these two cats deserve their place in the history of the Bay, man. They they they've been in the game for a minute. They've been put in the work. They got fan bases and album sales to prove it. So you know that's why I wanted to bring y'all here, representing the nine two five Pittsburgh and Antioch, and um, you know hopefully more people get to uh, recognize what y'all are doing over the years because it don't look like it's slowing down. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having us, bro. You doing your thing too, man. It's a good look for the bay what you doing, and uh, you've been in this for a minute too. You've been do- in, in in the in the whole bay area scene. You've been a staple in this. To, so to see you um, branching off over into the history of the bay and with everything you're doing with the podcast right now, man, hats off, bro. And uh, always anything you need on my end, let's lock it in, bro. Yeah, man, I appreciate you, bro. Likewise, yeah, sure, man. It's an honor, brother. It's just dope, man. What you're doing, man? Enlightening people on the history and the whole everything, man. It's yeah, dope. a lot of people don't know how much game come from the bay, That's man. Right. Waking That's them right. up. That's you right. Know what I mean? That's right. Appreciate y'all, man. Let's continue to build yes, more success to you. Thank you, everybody out there watching, supporting us. Go cop the new album. The Red Print is Red out print, now. Baby. Yeah, Red Print. Available everywhere. Get that thing. History of the Bay. Recognize where you got the game. We got our own style, got our own slang. Northern California is a West Coast thing. This is the history of the Bay. Recognize where you got the game. We got our own style, got our own slang. Northern California is a West Coast thing. This is the history of the Bay.